highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Most assuredly, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, and I believe he's speaking to these Pharisees, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Political and spiritual leaders were often called shepherds in the ancient world. Jesus explained that not everyone among the sheep is a true shepherd. Some are like thieves and robbers. One mark of their being a thief and a robber is how they gain entry among the sheep. In other words, the religious leaders gain their place among God's people, which are the sheep spoken of here, through personal and political connections, through formal education, through ambition, manipulation, and corruption. Lord, we pray that you help us not to be deceived into following false teachers. Now let's join Pastor Rob's message for today. It just makes sense to, to just see how, you know, such were some of us. You know, we were that sheep out in the middle of the Israeli desert, you know, out there lost, confused, heartbroken. And yet the Lord sought us out. He, he didn't wait for us to come back to the fold. He went after us and And he's still doing that, even for believers today. You know, God is reaching out, and he's always seeking. Certainly he's seeking the lost, but he's also seeking to to bring all of us, those of us who are, even as Christians, we we, we can at times walk away and and, and maybe are curious about something, and we're not completely devoted, we're we're, we're still wrestling with things. And, And you notice how that shepherd, one thing that really blessed me is, you know, the sounds he was making. We'll talk more about that today. Trying to get, you know, getting the sheep, uh, getting the sheep's attention. Knowing that sheep. Probably this is not the first time that that sheep has gone astray. He knew that sheep very well. And notice when he finally found the sheep, he didn't go up to it and start whacking it with a stick. He wasn't yelling at the sheep. Do you see how he just went up to the sheep and just, you know, petted it and, and loved on it? And that's the way the Lord does to us. You know, that's, that's how he treats us. He doesn't browbeat us. He doesn't, he doesn't come after us with a stick. And many of you have been chased after with a stick. Maybe it was another church. Maybe it was a, an employer. Maybe it was a parent who came after you with a rod. And yet for all of us who know Christ, we can... We understand his gentle kindness toward us and how he has been toward us. And I want to encourage you in that, especially as we read the passage today. We'll probably be in this passage for two weeks. 
Because there's a lot here, and it's just so wonderful to consider how he comes after us. He comes after us. You know, if I were God and I had, and, and after all that God has done for each one of us, wouldn't you agree that he doesn't owe us anything? But after all that he's already done, and then to have us wayward and walking away from him and, and not completely submitted to him, if I were God, and I'm glad I'm not because God is perfect and I am not, neither are any of us, but if I were God, I would just say, you know what, if that's the path you've chosen, then see you. You know, but he doesn't do that. Even when we walk away, he's going after us. He's going after us. And be encouraged by that because you may be wayward right now. You may be off the beaten path. You may be completely lost this morning. But know that God is going to come after you because he loves you. He's not coming to discipline you. He's coming to love on you. And he's loved on me over these years. And I was a wayward son. I was lost in my sin before I came to Christ. And even as a son... Now, there are times, and, and you're probably no different than I am, you just you kind of get distracted and you go off, and that sheep was distracted and off, alone. Look with me at John chapter 10. We're going to read, we're going to look at just the first 21 verses, Lord willing, today. I don't know that we'll get through all of it, but let's just read the first 21 verses to get the idea behind this passage. John chapter 10. And again, remember that this is right on the cusp. And in fact, when you look at the chapter break there, it's kind of, uh, um, it's not a good chapter break. In fact, let's start at verse 35 of the previous chapter, because what happens in chapter 10 is a continuation of what happened in chapter 9. And what happened in chapter 9, we saw that that man who was blind, remember Jesus uh, spit and put the, the stuff in his eyes, the, 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 the ground, and, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he did, and he was seeing, and he was born blind, he'd never seen before, and now he comes seeing, and now the religious community, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they're taking offense to the fact that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, and then they begin to question the man, were you really born blind, or is this some kind of big act? Did Jesus pay you to do that? You know, there was a lot of speculation about whether this guy was really genuine. And certainly his parents vouched for the fact, yes, this is our son, he's blind. And the Pharisees were just livid because they had no power. By this time, you know, they were so caught up in their ritual and they're and their serving themselves, really, that they, they, were, they ceased to be what God wanted them to be. God wanted them to be shepherds of Israel, but instead they became false shepherds. They became false teachers. They became consumed with self rather than others. That's why they couldn't rejoice with the blind man who had lost his sight. But picking up in verse 35, because remember, this, is, this narrative is going right on into chapter 10. If that chapter break wasn't there, we would do much better. But we, the translators put that there so that we can identify passages. But notice with me in verse 35 of chapter 9, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast this blind man out of the synagogue, and when he had found them, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who was talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him, notice. 
And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, and those who do not see may see, um, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees noticed who were with him, heard these things, and said to him, Are we blind also, taking offense to this? And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no sin, but now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Most assuredly, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, and I believe he's speaking to these Pharisees, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will not by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, and I have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who is not of the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Let's just stop right there. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this passage, and we ask, Lord, that you would just uh, open it to us and encourage us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Did you know that you are a flock? (laughs) That we are all the flock of God? We are. Israel was the flock originally, but when Jesus came to die for the sin of the world, he would die for not only just the Jews, the original flock, the the, the main flock, but he would die for us Gentiles. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. And he died for the Gentiles. And the Jews and the Gentiles together comprised what, what we know as the church. We, the church, made up of Jew and Gentile. And he died for us all. And Jesus said that he came not for just that flock, but he came for, there's also another flock that must come and enter the fold. And it would be the church, but the church would be made up of Jew and Gentile. Let's go back to verse 1. There's something about this passage that really ministers to my heart just because of the way that I've noticed how the Lord has ministered to me over the years. And how I've been ministered to. I can relate to this idea of being a sheep. And I can also relate to the idea of being a shepherd. 
But there's one shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd, and many of us are under-shepherds. But there's one who is the good shepherd. We know who his name is. His name is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. Notice in verse 1, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep, or the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. When you look at a sheepfold, uh, it's very interesting because it's made up of a door in the, in, the, in the front where there is no possible way to get in any other way. And there's rocks built up all around enclosing the sheep in the sheepfold. And the reason for this is obvious. At night when the sheep go in, they, they, they don't, you know, the shepherd doesn't want his sheep to be attacked by bears and wolves and leopards and, and, and all kinds of other things that would be prey that would prey on sheep. And so God puts, you know, uh, the shepherd puts up a, a wall around them. And notice where he lays. He lays right there at the door. He lays there at the door. There's nothing that can get in without him being aware of it and knowing it. This is another um, picture, if you will, of, of another sheepfold. And right there in the front, you can see that there, that's where the shepherd would be with his staff and with his rod to protect the sheep. And the sheep are protected. And God has protected us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, but we have come back into the fold of God. Amen? In fact, we are the sheep of God, right? Everybody, you know. We are, we're all sheep. And you know what? Sheep are defenseless. Have you ever looked at the teeth of a sheep? There's nothing about them. I mean, they're the most defenseless animal in all the world. They can't bite. I mean, they don't bite. They can't bite. They don't bite. I mean, they eat and they sleep and they do that other thing, and that's about all they do. That's what they do. Defenseless. They need somebody looking after them. I need somebody looking after me, and I'm so thankful that even before I came to Christ... Before you came to Christ, there was one who was already looking after you. How many times can we say as an unbeliever, I know I've got many instances where I can say that I should have been killed. There have been instances where I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, and had I been just seconds earlier, seconds later, a calamity, a great calamity, would have caused probably my life. And yet God was looking out for me. Can you all attest to things like that? He was looking out for you. He is your shepherd. Whether you choose to believe it or not, even as an unbeliever, he was shepherding me. The Spirit of God was coming alongside of me, wooing me, if you will, bringing me to Christ. That one day I would say, I'm your sheep and I'm so glad to be in your pasture. So glad to be looked after by you. And are you glad to be looked after by God? Because Jesus, folks, listen to me, he loves you. He knows all about your past. He knows everything that you're involved in now, whether uh, voluntarily, willingly, or even unwillingly. He, He knows everything, and yet, you know what? His love for you will never end. His love for you will never cease. In fact, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the kind of God, that's the Savior, that's the shepherd that we have overseeing our lives, knowing everything about us. He can't learn anything more. He knows everything. That's scary to me, but also very reassuring. Because no matter what, I know he's got me covered. And he's looking after me. 
But he said, most assuredly, I say, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as the thief and a robber. Notice the sheepfold, again, is a place of, of protection or habitation. This is symbolic of heaven, if you will, or everlasting life. When we are in the fold, we are in Christ, and thus we are bound for glory. We are secure. Our habitation is set because it's something that he does, not that I do. And notice that the only way in is through the door, and Jesus is the door. Is there anybody big and bad enough to get by Jesus? Can Satan himself say, hey, move over, I'm going in. Hey, listen, Satan is a created being. He has no power over God. He has no power over Jesus. He, Jesus, is all-powerful. No one can tell him what to do. But he is the door. And there's any other way of entering is not valid, and as, and as a result will not be allowed. There's no other way to get into the fold, to, to have eternal life, to be into heaven. There's no other way but through the door, through Jesus. He said, I am the door. There's no other way. There's no other religion. Do you understand? It's a very narrow path. It's a very simple thing. There's no other way, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness, whether you're a Mormon, whether you are part of Islam, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're in the New Age movement, whether you believe in evolution, or anything else, it doesn't matter. All those things are ways trying to get into the sheepfold, but Jesus says there's no other way but through me. I am the door, he says. Hey, he makes the rules. It's through him. Because no other world religion has had to deal with what Jesus has dealt with. He's, he's dealt with the sin issue. No other world religion deals with the sin issue that much. I mean, they may be moral, they may have a moral code, but no one has died for you like Jesus died. He went before us as the good shepherd. And this pen that we are in, I'm so glad that I'm in the fold of God. What is it? It's a boundary. It's a narrow way. Only through the door are we able to enter what does Jesus say in Matthew 7? Enter by the narrow gate. It's a very narrow thing. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. It is difficult, isn't it? Do you find that your Christian walk is a piece of cake? Do you find that there's no battles? Do you find that everything is just hunky-dory? No, actually, I found that once I became a Christian, the battle really began. Because before, I was, an enemy, uh, I was on enemy ground. That, that Satan had me. He had me. He owned me. He manipulated me. But now I'm Christ's. And he cares for me. He takes good care of me. Always have taken good care of me. Just like you. But it is. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Don't be discouraged when things are heating up and things are difficult, folks, because listen, this is just par for the course of being a Christian. If anybody tells you, oh, come to Christ and all your problems will be solved, all of your bills will be paid, you know, everything will just be fine, you, you know, you're eating pie in the sky and, you know, sitting in your Adirondack chair eating ice cream overlooking the lake, hey, listen, that, that, that our time is coming when we're going to be blessed and we're going to have that relaxation and we're going to have that bliss, but it's not right now. We have a bliss. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Being in Christ is the most fulfilling thing in the world, but the world does not understand. The world does not like you. Don't be as shocked. Don't be shocked when you find that the world doesn't like you. Don't be shocked when things are against you. 
because narrow is the gate. And notice, difficult is the way, Jesus said, which leads to life. And there are few who find it. In Luke chapter 13, he says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter the gate and will not be able. They won't be able to enter the gate. They have to go through Christ. There's no other way. And it is a boundary, isn't it? It is a boundary. And many people today think that a boundary is a lack of freedom, but a boundary is for our safety and our protection. You see, God knows this. He knows that we need protection. We need a boundary. The world today says, I want to be free of all that. Doesn't it sound like Psalm 2? Let's just cut the cord. Let's just cut the cord and be free from God. Let's just get away from him. Let's remove prayer from the schools. Let's allow the LGBTQ community to come in and teach story hour and drag you know, outfit. Let's allow all that. Let's just cut the cord. And let's just allow all the, all the junk to come in. Let's be independent from God. Well, you know what, America? You're getting it. You are about as independent from God than ever and at any, uh, any other time in our history. And look around. Do you see the fruit of it? What is the fruit of it? It's judgment. It is. He puts that boundary around us for our protection. I need that protection. I remember when my daughter was little, we got her a big wheel, and we, and we have this long driveway, and there's a busy road right in front of us. And so we would put cones up at the end of the driveway, and we'd tell her, honey, you can drive anywhere on this blacktop in this area, but don't go near that area. And I remember one time, <laughs> she's driving her big wheel, and she's barreling down the thing, and I'm like, is she going to stop? You know, and cars are just flying by, they're not even paying attention. And I had to tell her one day. She got so close, I thought she was going to go out into the road. And why did I put those cones up? Is it because I'm just a mean dad? No, I put those cones up to protect her. I had to give her a boundary, and she was free within that boundary. But the world says, oh, no boundaries is freedom. Ah, but that's not the truth. When you have a well-defined godly boundary, that's for your good. It's for your protection. That's freedom, folks. That is freedom. Freedom is not being free from boundaries. No, we need to be hemmed in, if you will. The law is a boundary. Try going through the Browncroft here uh, at a red light, going about 100 miles an hour like we saw a few months ago, and the guy hit a curb and went airborne and flipped over on its back and skidded down here in front of the fast track. Try disobeying the law and not obeying those signs and see what happens. Thank God that person lived. But what happens normally? Major, major trouble, sometimes even death. We know that the world is a rough and it's a dangerous place. We need to be hemmed in. We're taught to obey rules, and when we disobey and we get caught, we always think, I wished, I wished I would have listened. We need boundaries. God knows that we need boundaries. And when we look at Genesis, we saw the very first boundary that God gave to Adam Notice what it says. The Lord took the man, took Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it, and uh, commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. The boundary or the restriction was for his protection. And yet isn't it true that every human being, due to our fallen nature, we resist boundaries?
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.